Um, Pastor Stokes has said we can write questions. So do we have questions just so I know how to move time-wise? Is there anybody who would like to write a question down? It may not be something you want to ask openly because that takes time sometimes and also question, a question might generate another question. But, you know, if you write it down, pass it in. So I want to know, do we have people who have questions in their minds? Can I see your hand so I will have an idea to make room for it? Just one person? Two, three, four. Okay. So please write down. Okay, more people. Okay, fine. So maybe we'll use the last hour or something. I'll try to just... Uh, I want to believe we've covered most of the things we should cover normally. So please write your questions down and... Um, Maybe we'll ask someone to go around. Please let, let the writing be legible. Okay, we have a class rep, so let the class rep will go around later to collect. But please write uh, what we can read so that we won't uh, start interpreting. <laughs> Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God is not uh, a 90 percenter. God is a 100 percenter. So we want to emphasize excellence now. Think of uh, a medical thing. Think of an electronic thing that's supposed to deliver 100% and it delivers 90%. Sometimes it can make a difference between life and death. Matthew 18 from verse 12. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? Think about that. Don't you think 99% is good enough? But this is the Lord Jesus speaking himself. And if you find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Luke 15, 4. Same thing. What man of you Having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. So good enough isn't good enough. That's the way it occurred to me to put it. Good enough isn't good enough. Yeah. We should be after hundred percent. Of course, you know naturally that won't happen. That's not possible. But that should be our desire for all to be saved and for us not to lose any. So we should strive for excellence. We should keep improving. We should keep honing the system. We should keep improving. We should keep seeing how we can do it better. How we can do it better. How more people can be saved. We should not, that's why there's no need to compare yourself with anybody else because if we compare ourselves with those who seem bigger and better, we will be discouraged. If we compare ourselves with those who we see better than we will be proud. So whichever way they combine themselves, they are not wise, like the Bible says. So the one that is in your hand, how can it be better? How can it improve? So if you listen to people, it will be as, oh, ah, you know, see, you, you know, but that's not, you're not looking at anybody. It's just, how can we do this better? How can this improve? 
how can we achieve God's purpose so that we will not be 99% people but 100% people? Proverbs 31:29 reads, Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. So, excellence is better than well done, isn't it? So, let's not be after partial achievements. You know, let's not be after things. When things happen, when we have program, when we do something, we should review it critically. We should review it critically and see you know, it's okay to give excuses for other people. We should make excuses for people, but we should not make excuses for ourselves. I don't make excuses for myself personally. I tell myself the hard truth. It's other people you should give excuses for. Maybe the person did it that way so that you won't take offense, so that you will walk in love. But for myself, I don't accept an excuse. I believe excuses are the language of failures. One said the reason why is because of failure. So one should not excuse oneself. So don't, give, don't allow any excuse for yourself personally. The things that are right, studying God's word, praying, leading people to Christ, all those, no excuse. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. There's no need to say the reason why we must find a way to do what we need to do. So we should not just rejoice after events. We should evaluate those events and strive for excellence. Did we achieve what we set out to achieve? Did it result in what was supposed to result in? What did we put in? What came out of it? Like we know in Genesis 1.31, God looked at everything and he said, very good. He kept saying good, good. Apart from the second day that he didn't say it was good. Other days he said it was good. And then last day he said very good. That means God was reviewing what he was doing. It was not just enough for God to say, let this happen, let that happen. He reviewed it after. And he said it was good. It was good. So we must review things. Whatever we do, we must review those things. I don't know what your own experience has been. But I have seen that special programs don't grow a church. Special programs don't grow a church, yeah. They will come, and after the program, they will still go. As a matter of fact, many times, <laughs> attendance will drop after a special program. They will come for it, must dress well, all that. But after it, you seem to need to regather. Like I said, I don't know what your experience has been, but that must be, has been my own experience. So it's consistent work is what makes a church to grow and not uh, sudden things that will just happen suddenly I don't, I don't think so so let's be willing to go the extra mile because that will run through the systems that will lead when we go the extra mile you know the oil on the head the bible says it flows to the bear and the skirt of the garment yeah, so whatever happens from the top is what is going to flow down because that's what sets the culture of the place matthew five forty one. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. That's what we call the extra mile. So let's always go the extra mile. Let's always go the extra mile. Like I said, let good enough not be good enough for us. Let's go the extra mile. People may forget how fast something was done, but they will always remember how well it was done. So let's do it very well. Anything that needs to be done should be done very well. Let's not procrastinate. If we believe God wants something done, we should do it. We must be decisive. A leader must be decisive. Because indecision, many times it's a decision. Yeah. If you don't decide, you have decided. In Acts 24, 25. Acts 24, 25. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. 
when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. You see, it's obvious that this man was under conviction, but he put it off. And there's no record that he ended up giving his life to Christ. So that he didn't decide that day, go away for now. That indecision itself was a decision. So we must be decisive. Sometimes it's better to take a wrong decision than to take no decision. A leader must take decisions. And we should accept when we are wrong, when we err, we should accept. But if we stay on God's word, it will be very rare for us to need to apologize about something. Matthew 20, 29, you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. If something is based on scriptures and it's based on God's power, you are not going to be in error. You won't find yourself coming out to go forward a little, back a little, to say this today, change to that tomorrow, because stability is important in leadership. If, if today you are this way, another day you are this way, this today you are this way, another day you are this way, people will not be able to follow you. And if there's no followership, that means we are not leaders. It's as simple as that. So we should remember that ministry is not about game, it's not about luck, it's not about chance, it's about people's lives and destinies. People's lives and destinies. So that is a serious thing that God has committed into our hands. Effective ministry also involves character. We often say David never lost a battle. He didn't lose a physical battle, but he lost a moral battle. And he kept haunting him. You know, that, that, was, that kept haunting him. So we should be very, 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 very careful. Character is critical. It's key in leadership. If we lose trust, it's difficult to regain. I heard someone say, there's no partial trust. You either trust or you don't trust. You can't say you trust somebody in a degree. That I trust him a little. It means you don't trust him. So when you leader loses trust, it's very difficult to regain. Of course, thank God for repentance. We can repent and all that. But uh, things can become tough to regain. So let's be accountable. Let's be accountable. I said yesterday about people who have a sense of purpose. I remember talking about Osama bin Laden, Adolf Hitler, people like that. In Acts 7.25, about Moses, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. That means he had a sense of purpose. He thought people would see, but the people didn't see it. So those who make the most impact are those who have a sense of purpose. Look at Ephesians 3.4. This is about Paul. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He was saying if you read it, you understand why he, yeah, he had a sense of purpose. Jesus Christ, Luke 2, 49, when his parents were looking for him, he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? As though he was saying, why were you looking for me elsewhere? You should have come to the temple. You should have known where I would be. I wouldn't be somewhere else. Now, one can develop a sense of purpose. Like all what we have talked about now can make one to develop a sense of purpose. For instance, Judges 6.14, we know about Gideon, how reluctant Gideon was. In Judges 6.14, the Bible says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this, in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midianites. Have I not sent you? You know, it took a while to convince Gideon, but eventually he did it. So one can develop a sense of purpose. When Esther was to deliver her people, when Mordecai spoke to her, 
she was reluctant at first. You know the protocol. I can't just go to the king like that. And when Mordecai said, who knows whether you are in the kingdom for such a time as this? She said, okay, pray and fast for me and all of that. And then she recognized that she was there for a purpose. So one can develop a sense of purpose, but it's very important to have a sense of purpose to make impact. Yesterday, Pastor Tunde was talking about how Pastor Tukumo was focused in one direction. That's, that's like a laser. When he was saying, that's what occurred to me, like laser. You know, we all know that experiment that sunlight is that way and then use magnifying glass to concentrate it and paper will catch fire. Yeah, because we laser beam today, it will cut steel and all that just because of something focused in a particular direction. That's what a sense of purpose does to one. So it's important to have a sense of purpose. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do for God? Why am I, you know, like we said, we're not comparing ourselves to other people, but when one has a sense of purpose, it's easier to achieve things. And we've talked about preparation. Anybody who wants to do something seriously for God should have a regular habit of preparation. Just prepare yourself. Just keep preparing. Just continue. Study God's word. Pray fast. Do those things. Work on yourself continually. We are referred to that. I'm just re-emphasizing it as we are gradually coming to an end. When David was fighting lion and bear, he didn't know that they were going to call him one day to face Goliath. That had happened behind the scenes. You remember what Matthew 6, 6 says? But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the, the, the secret of a public life is a private life. When a private life is strong, it's a matter of time there will be a showing forth. John the Baptist was in the wilderness until the time of his showing forth to Israel. So Elijah that just showed up and said, Thus here the Lord, there shall not be rain or dew, but at my word. He was coming from somewhere. He was coming from God's presence. He said, God before whom I stand. So it's very, 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 very important. Studying and praying and each person after a while gets to know what causes God's hand to come upon them strongest. Yeah, some people are fasters, if you know what I mean. All of us should fast. All of us should show the Bible. All of us should pray. But everybody, based on their individual work with God, we get to know what connects with them the most. I, I hope what I'm saying makes sense. Yeah. And then start from where you are. Start from where you are. Psalm 131 verse 1. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. You know what I was saying? I'm not after big things. I'm not after big things. Yeah, I don't concern myself with that. I'm just where well, people want to go to the ends of the earth. The Bible says, shall receive power after those come of you shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're not going to start at the uttermost parts of the earth. There's no need to be thinking of the most parts of the earth. Do we hear somebody's testimony or see somebody and then you want to go and start where the person started from? Why not where you are now? A brother talked about Babin's shop and a small child doing something. Yeah. Start with that person right where you are. Don't be surprised if young people start hanging around you, start asking you questions. You know, I've noticed something that children are very sensitive to people. If you see somebody that children like, you should have a nice person. 
Yeah, children always play with someone. The person is nice. And there are people that children run away. When the person shows up, children will go somewhere else. <laughs> Let me not say the person is not a nice person. I won't say so. <laughs> because as you have a platform already. If children come around you, you have a platform. Because there's something you can offer them. You know, just begin from there. You know, I don't know about you. It's like, you know, you know what Jeremiah said? That he made up his mind he was not going to talk anymore, but it was like fire shot up in his bones. As though it wants an outlet. So anybody you find, whoever the person is, the person is in trouble, you know, teach the person, talk to the person, you know, anybody who is around, just go ahead and get across to the person. Because God will not start you with 5,000 where you have not handled five people or 50 people. You won't even know what to do. So all the praying we are praying, God will bring thousands. Where will you put them when they come? What is in place? Yeah, what are, yeah. God is a gradualist. Can I say that again? God is a gradualist. He, he told them in the Old Testament, you know, he said, you are served the Lord your God who bless your bread and your water, who takes things away from the midst of you. There will nothing cast them on the barren number of your days that fulfill. And then he said, you will not overcome them in a, in a year. Let the beasts of the field multiply against you. Because nature does not tolerate a vacuum. He was saying, if I destroy them in a year, beasts will fill the place. So what happens is you defeat them, you fill the place, you defeat more, you fill the place, so it will happen gradually. It's not going to happen suddenly. It's not going to be overnight. That everything will just happen. Boom! Overnight, you just wake up. You are successful. You will wake up again and you will fail again. That's what's going to happen. So that's with gradual, because things must be in place that will take care of things. So every time you are going to be stretching a little beyond where you are, but it's not going to happen suddenly. So if you know you are going somewhere now, so there's no hurry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's no hurry as though if it doesn't happen in two months' time. So, so somebody's going to die. No, somebody's not going to die. So put things in place properly and do it thoroughly, and you know where you are going and you walk towards it consistently every day, every day, every day. Start at home, Second Peter 2.5. And he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. The only person called a preacher of righteousness in the Bible is Noah. The only people he got saved were his family members. So start at home. Start at home. Start at home. Start in your neighborhood. Just start where you are. The important thing is rich lives. Use your gift. Minister to people. You will see God open doors. You know, gradually from there, and you will draw more people. Volunteer for things. Psalm 110, verse 3. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. King James says, in the day of your power, the people shall be willing. So volunteer for things. I don't know if you have noticed, people who hang around church, who are just available to help and work, and that's how Pastor today was. That's how Pastor Tukumbo was. Eventually, God commits much into their hands. That's the honest truth. Just look at people's lives like that. Who just, they will just come to church. They will just be around. They are just, you know, just, it means they love God. They love God's work. That's what it means. So if you are God, wouldn't you trust things into that kind of person's hand that somebody doesn't care? Who comes occasionally? Who comes at his convenience? So just serve. And just serve. Just look for opportunities to serve. I find it instructive that the Bible tells us that Moses' assistant, Joshua, will hang around and be in tabernacle. Even Moses will leave. Joshua will see hang around. And eventually, he took over from 
Moses. And where he couldn't get, Moses got there at the end of the day. So, and you know, can I say this? There are opportunities everywhere, like passing a piece of paper and picking it up and throwing it in those men. That's, it's, it's, believe me, it's part of it. You may think it has nothing to do with it. It's God's earth. That's stewardship still of the environment. Having eye for things to be the way they are supposed to be. When God sees you are that kind of person, that you care about things. You know, we have scriptures like that, that talk about a, a good person thinks about the life of his animal. So when you have heart for that kind of thing, I'll be surprised that you won't have heart for people. To be concerned about people generally. So pray for God. I think it was the first day I pointed out, or was it where I preached on Sunday morning? Sometimes, you know, yeah, I'm not sure where I said what. But that was the time I, I ministered God's word. I taught God's word, but I didn't really care about people like that. Happened over time. I didn't have a shepherd's heart. I noticed in scriptures that people followed Jesus, and he said he didn't want him to go away fasting because they came from far. Some might faint on the way. That's a shepherd's heart. You know, some people don't care about that kind of thing. They don't care that somebody can get home and husband can slap her for coming home late. So the Holy Ghost is moving. They keep people till they continue, continue. I've been somewhere where somebody said, I'm annoyed. Because they were trying to let him know that time, with the time they will have to close. And he said to him that he was annoyed. Openly that way he was because he, he wasn't thinking of, the pastor will mop up the consequences later. He was just thinking as just coming and going and you will cause problem after. And then you will have gone. But I saw from scriptures that Jesus had a heart for things like that. And that's a shepherd's heart. So it's okay to pray for one to have a shepherd's heart. He would think, no, they should not go home fasting. Because immediately he sent them away after multiplying the food. Couldn't he have said, since they will already be going, when they get home, they should eat. But he fed them, and he thought that they should not go away fast unless they faint on the way, because they came from far away. And I think of that kind of heart. If Jesus could think that way, that some people came from far away, so shouldn't we consider that and think that way? We're talking about effective ministry. So we should learn from the master himself. Uh, I would like one or two comments. People who want to give suggestions along the lines we just spoke now. And then maybe the class rep can take the questions so that we can go into the last session. So what we have seen now is to emphasize more on the issue of excellence. Let's not be satisfied with 99% because God wants everyone. He doesn't want 99%. He wants everyone. We know practically we won't get 100%, but we can try our best. Good enough is not good enough. Research has showed that it takes four times more effort to wake up somebody who, have dro- who has dropped out than a, a new person. You know, we shouldn't want to lose people, but even Jesus lost people. In John chapter 6, some people started following him. You know, when he asked Peter, will you also, disciples, will you also go? Some people stopped following him. So some people will drop out. Whether it's through COVID or whatever, some people will drop out. And we should try our best to get them back. In the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God was unhappy with the shepherds who didn't go after people who, had, who dropped out. But research has showed that it would take four times more effort to get somebody back who dropped out than a new person. So we should remember that go is our mandate. We should still keep going after people. We should make efforts to get the people back. 
but they should not be our prime consideration. If they refuse to come back, there are still people who need the gospel that we must go and meet. So we should not base everything on those who have dropped out and have refused to come back. Why we are talking to them? Because we should not allow them to depress us. That's what I'm saying. That was the problem. In fact, I think we are doing fine in Nigeria based on what is happening in other parts of the world. It's 40% of the people that are back in church in the Western world. Yeah, that's what they say. The 40% of the people, and they don't expect that the others will come back. They think they won't come back post-COVID, that people will just remain online. But that's not our own experience in Nigeria, don't you think? It's not 40% back. But everybody's in back yet. I don't know what's happening here. In the church I pass, everybody's in back on Sundays yet. Not talk of midweek. Midweek is even worse. Yeah. But you see, we must go after other people. While we're trying to get those true structures in place for people to check up on those who are not back, blah, 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 we must still go after the other ones. So, excellence is important. Doing, giving it the best we can. Going the extra mile. Mediocrity is not good enough for God. So, if we're people of half measure, we're doing it lightly and all that. One day, I saw my father angry with my oldest brother. Uh, I need to soon make noise. <laughs> my oldest brother, you see, I don't understand it yet because this person is much older than I am. He's the firstborn. Uh, I'm second and lastborn. And my father was angry with him that day. It's when I became older that I understood it. My father said he was satisfied with little success. See, my father didn't say he didn't pass. My father didn't say it was not okay. But he said he was satisfied. You know what he was saying? You can do better than this. Yeah, if you push yourself, you have potential in you to become this. So if you just take it that as long as I pass, you know, what they call it in university is let my people go. So if somebody can have a first class, if it's okay, if you can have two, two, there's no need to aim for first class. But you and I know that somebody who has two, two won't get a job. Like somebody who has a first class will get a job. First class of any degree, you, people are looking for you. So that's how it is, you know. So we should not be satisfied with little success. That so long as it works, no, can't it be better? Can't we improve upon it? So can we have some ideas of excellence while I... Uh, okay, we're even going to have a break. Uh, okay, so we'll address the questions when we come. So let's have like one or two ideas of uh, giving it our best shot, excellence, before we get the bell the second time. Thank you, sir. Just a little experience um, concerning the, how you talked about volunteering uh, for things, having that heart. I, it, it, it reminds me of what happened last week. I was just driving home with my wife, and, and I saw um, a Toyota RAV4 parked at the very dangerous point, you know, and the lady inside confused, don't know what to do. So I drove past, and something in me said, no, you don't need to leave her there. Just drive back. So I had to control traffic, get some guys to push the vehicle out of the way, get the battery to start the vehicle, and the woman drove off without even saying thank you. So my wife got annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> That's strange. She didn't See, say thank you. No thank you. I stopped other vehicles. We control traffic. Then they removed their battery from there because mine wasn't too strong. We reversed the vehicle for her. She just like as if, okay. I deserve it. So I'm still shaking my head. My wife said, my, my, so, so my wife said, what kind of nonsense is that? I said, that is not a nonsense. I said, you don't do that. I said, no, that is me. I will do it a thousand, a thousand times over again. Because I wouldn't allow one 
uh, one's attitude to stop me, one's ingratitude, thank you, to stop me from the continuous, uh, as a matter of fact, what is innate in me. So I just want to say, based on what you say, voluntary for things, it doesn't matter how hot it may be or somebody hurts you, you're not doing it because of that person. You're doing it because of your nature, which is the nature of Christ in you. And God will reward you for it. I mean, I tell you, that's how marriage is. You marry the kind of person you should marry. That's how God balances people. Because God will give you somebody to protect you from yourself. Because sometimes people will take advantage of you and ride you and cheat you. So your wife is the kind of person you've made a good choice of marriage. Yeah. I'm telling you the honest truth. Sir. So I'm not even seeing that your wife was wrong. She wasn't wrong. She compliments you. That's how you should be. Mm. That's how marriage is supposed to be. Yeah. That's why he has I know that was, yes. Thank you, sir. Please, I just remembered um, the question one brother asked from that side. And I remember when I was younger, I was attending Methodist Church. But at the time, we observed that the elders of the church were having misunderstanding to the point that we observed some of the priests were dying. And so the younger ones started to be leaving. And I was part of the people that left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish you didn't mention the name of the church because it can happen anywhere potentially, you know. Yeah. But that, that's part of what shocks young people, you know, when they see strife. You know, that they don't want to have anything to do with it and they, they leave, yeah. I think, did it sound the second time? Not yet. Okay, so we can still take. Somebody's, okay. Let's appreciate our brother who keeps going up and down with microphone. That's volunteering. That's service, isn't it? Yeah, that's service. Thank you, sir. It's in respect to what he said earlier. For young ones, one of the best ways to get them along is committing responsibility into their hands. Yeah. If it's to drum, yeah. he will keep meeting his friend knowing that nobody will drown if he's not there. We engage them, and we commit responsibility into their hands. Not necessarily ordain him as a pastor, uh, but then, and the difference, the gap between baby boomers and millennials to Generation Z is crazy right now. It takes somebody who understands their language to bring them in. So, for, for the older ones, what, we, what should be done for the younger ones is get somebody from their midst, impute yourself as much as possible, is able to communicate everything to his peers compared to the other one. Else, you continue to have them like mommy running away to another place. Thank you. That's correct. Yeah, they need to be engaged. We have to engage them. And they, you know the truth, they want to be responsible. It's because we think they are not responsible many times. They want to be responsible. They want to be listened to. If you let them say their opinion, you listen to them, you treat them like, you know, even in parenting, after a while, you, you don't talk to your children the way you used to talk to them before. You have to acknowledge that they are old. In fact, there are things they know more than you. 
So you can ask them for advice after a while, you know? Yeah. So when you, children know you take them seriously, uh, are you saying time up? Oh, okay. Please take the mic. So when, when you, they know you are willing to engage them, they are ready to look up to us. You know, but part of why the issues, this generational issues, let's remember that we also were young at the time. So I think we should be able to do it better, really, because we know what we didn't like that our parents did, and then we grew up and saw that they had our best interests at heart when they did those things. So all we need to do is to communicate it better to the upcoming people, to let them know that uh, we are there for them, to guide them, but we should not try to talk to them the way our own parents talk to us. It's like, you do what I say. No, that you, yeah. They told you, you are going to that school. So, and so without asking our opinion about it, and we rebelled. So we should know how to handle the younger people better now, but definitely we need them. Yes, sir. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, there's something I noticed with churches and pastors. There are situations where you're in a church, the pastor there doesn't have the absolute control over things. He has to refer to the head church before he does anything. And so in some of those places, they find it difficult even to operate. Just like that man, that young guy was saying something now. To engage the younger ones, I think the pastors you send to different centers must have some level of authority. Because I've seen a pastor complain. I don't know what I'll do now. And it will get to Lagos. Or it will get to this place. So such things in terms of administration and running a place limits how far you know you can use your idea as a pastor thank you you know why is the government to accept what we are saying that way we're not talking about seeing the people here now we're not in those kinds of structures where everything you must do in a year is written down that you must do it a particular way there's a measure of uh, responsibility committed into your hands i don't think any headquarters anywhere we say somebody should not engage youth if they are seeing you are getting positive results by engaging them. Yeah, because the kinds of churches people that I'm seeing here attend, they are not the kinds of churches that we list out that is the prayer you must pray at 4 o'clock on Sunday. I don't like kind of thing. No, I don't think so. You know, it's not as bad as what you made it sound like now. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think, yeah, the average Pentecostal church is not, the has branches is not like what you are saying now. I, I, I can tell you that, you know, I've been around for a while, same way as you've been around for a while. I don't think what you are saying is that, or that the person can't take anything. As a matter of fact, a pastor should not be in control in a sense of everything. Because you will limit things if you try to get involved in everything that is going on. Yeah, because there are different levels of leadership. Is that not what Jethro advised Moses? that you should put something in charge of this, something in charge of this. What did that mean? Moses was not to try to be in control of everything that was going on. Because the thing can't be as big as it could be if a pastor was in control. You can't know everything. If you try to know everything that is going on, you are micromanaging. You know, so it won't work that way. Yeah, so you shouldn't try to control everything. Well, if what you mean is to have a free hand, uh, yeah, a free hand within a context of assembly where you worship, no, I don't, I don't think it's bad the way... Oh, I don't know. But uh, it made it seem like uh, it's very bad. The pastor is in a place and he can't do anything. No, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think the Arab Pentecostal in Nigeria is like that. But uh, 
if what you are saying, sir, is that um, uh, there is too much of limits to pastors, if some churches do that, because if you are like that, I don't think you have branch. Because you can't be there, you can't be everywhere. So, yeah. So, anyway, if anybody who is here now is starting a work somewhere, learn to trust people with responsibility. That's the summary of what our brother is saying. That uh, people need to be trusted with responsibility so that we allow them to function and operate and they will take decisions that can be taken without necessarily recourse to headquarters. But the truth is, there are times headquarters is a problem. They limit things. You are doing your best. You are trying to do something and somebody just comes and rubbishes everything. And when you are under authority, you don't, so you don't feel happy. You are not fulfilled when that happens. But by and large, God knows how he sorts us out when such things happen. So, so I'm not discountenancing what you said. I know it can happen. I don't just think it's that common. That is every day. So our break time is here. When we are coming back, we'll take some questions by God's grace. Questions don't seem so many, but I know there will be other things that uh, will generate. But I think this one is a five-minute break. So please just stretch your legs a little bit. And uh, we'll come back and conclude.